0: My Third Eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to My Third Eye
1: and I'll bring it around too, because I'm mostly a comic book publisher and writer. Um, I go on a lot of podcasts and I co-host Realities Ours with Nate now, but ultimately I'm not trying to become a full-time uh, personality or like, you know, the guy that you turn into and send Patreon bucks. Cause I really love, I love having these conversations, but really what I like to do is take things that I've learned over 20 years and sit down and think like, how do I take this really complicated again? Ultra is probably the best example of how,
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to M3E, and yes, we are getting paranoid with the Paranoid American. If you want the full episode in its entirety without ads or anything else, just go to My Third Eye Podcast at patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast, and you get the whole episode. Also, do not forget about purepetwellness.com. Every episode's sponsored by them. Get your pet CBD needs from them. These guys are great. I use them daily on all my dogs, especially my kind of half retarded, okay, neurological challenged pity mix. But uh, it, it seems to help, calms everybody down, and we have a good time. So, again, purepetwellness.com. Ghost at checkout gets you 20% off and you can enter ghost as many times as you order anything and you get 20% off every fucking time. You you can't beat that. So do not forget to go to purepetwellness.com forward slash my third eye. No, not even my third eye, Uh, just ghost at checkout. So uh, yeah, having said that, enjoy this week's episode of m 3 E. Featuring the Paranoid American. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fine and exciting episode of M3E. Today I have uh, the Paranoid American on and we're going to jump jump all over the place. So, having said all that, he is one of the hosts of Reality Czars and uh, he's been on Talk at the Tavern a couple times and... Uh, how are you, Thomas?
1: I'm great, man. I'm, I'm actually excited to talk about a bunch of weird topics with you today.
0: Hell yeah, uh, me too. Because <laughs> uh, I know we can we can go pretty deep on on a lot of this stuff.
1: And, and I got to start it started out, too, because we'll probably get into like old military tales because we were both in the Air Force. We just come up a few times. So we'll have to yeah. share a few uh, funny, interesting related stories on that.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I think that kind of kind of came up last night uh, as well. And then Drew popped in and uh, he, he kind of continued it later on. So it was it was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I've been withholding some stories until we had a chance to just do a deep dive. So this will be a fun one.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So what have you been lo- uh, looking into lately? Uh, let people know where they can find you, actually. Uh, and the work you're doing there with Nate over at Reality Zars and everything else you want to plug.
1: Yeah, so my the, the big thing is paranoidamerican.com. You can find the links to all my social and everything. And uh, as the little pamphlet says, you know, comics and occult. Uh, research. Uh, this right here is my MK Ultra pamphlet and if everyone's familiar with the old-school chick tracks, the ones that you would find at like a bus station or in a restroom, this is heavily influenced by that chick track format but instead of kind of like the Bible thumping that you'd get on the inside pages, this one just breaks down the entire history of where MKUltra came from and this one is specifically based on like the factual information that's the most interesting to me at least. Uh, and there's like over 40 different little individual panels here. Um, and then we're going to be working on another one of these with Nate on Bigfoot and all the different Bigfoot theories and all the attributes given to Bigfoot. And I'm working on one with Juan from the one-on-one podcast about uh, homunculi and the whole alchemical research behind like what a homunculus is.
0: What What is that?
1: A homunculus is, <laughs> there's a lot of different versions of it. There's like alchemical homunculus a medical homunculus but the most interesting one is the alchemical and this is basically to oversimplify medieval wizards would like make little men in test tubes and like bury them in like cow manure and you know wait 40 days and go back to it and like a little man would be there that had no soul but you could almost instruct him to be like your little servant so they could just go and do sort of like menial tasks for you look up grab books and then you could also like chop off their various appendages or burn them or eat them and gain magical powers, like invisibility, flying, super strength. Uh, it was like the original X-Men, uh, formula was making these little homunculi.
0: Oh, wow. That, that kind of reminds me of, uh, the little people, um, and, and where they might've come from.
1: I mean, it's, it's a fascinating topic. And and again, it goes in like so many different angles. And the, the point of these pamphlets is the take like, MK ultra too is a good example of a very complicated topic that just like spawns in many different areas. And depending on what you're interested in, different things grab your attention. So these pamphlets are awesome because it gives me a chance to just say like, here's the top 40 hits of this, this conspiracy in particular, here's the names, dates, and a little visual to kind of go along with it. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with all these different little topics.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. I'm actually, I, I'm going to have to, I want to get your MK ultra one.
1: For sure. Please, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this one right here, you can get it on Etsy and you get on the paranoidamerican.com and I'll send it right to you. And then I also have a uh, Amazon version. It's kind of like a, a coffee table book. You can see it's a lot bigger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this. And this one's got one panel per page. It's the exact same book, but just a lot bigger uh, because people wanted like a bigger format version of it. Actually,
0: it feels- I, might, I might actually get that one because my eyes are getting bad.
1: Yeah. There you go. There you go, man. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, originally the, the Chick Jack was the same reason to how Jack Chick did it, to make it so cheap that I could just drop a whole bunch off in public places and hope that people just pick it up and read it and share it with their friends and stuff. So yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I've got these little uh, flimsy ones.
0: I like that. that that's a great idea. Uh, playing on, uh, you know, kind of, you you kind of hinted at it, you know, the Bible thumping, you know, and, and Christians and what have you have been doing that for as long as I can remember.
1: <laughs> well, I want to do the same thing. I just, I'm not necessarily a Bible thumper. I'm right. more of like a, a U.S. history thumper, you know? Th- yeah,
0: exactly. So that's awesome. Do you, uh, what else do you got go- going on over there?
1: Oh, dude. So yeah, we'll, we'll go through a, a rapid list. This one is brand new. I haven't even announced this anywhere else yet. This is oh, nice. a, a book that I've been working on um, with a, a good friend here. It's called Block Man and Punch. And you can see there's like reptilians in here. There's a little all-seeing eye uh, pyramid. Uh, let's see. There's like some really awesome artwork in this one. And I don't want to give away the um like the premise of it, but it's like a very fun kind of classic comic read. Lots of colors and uh, sort of like goofy animation.
0: Now, do you do your own animation?
1: Uh, so I don't do any illustration anymore. It takes okay. way too much of my time. I do. When you say animation, I do still do a lot of animation. Okay, gotcha. That's kind of my, where my roots are at. Uh, so I do a lot of like After Effects and a lot of like in-betweening animation. I wouldn't be like the, if you were doing cell animation, right? You've got the guys that draw the keyframes, like the absolute immaculate. And then you got the guys that come in behind them and sort of draw the in-between frames that don't m- maybe matter as much as those independent poses that hit like every 15. So I'm kind of like the in-betweener guy, but I know like how to work with good art and I know how to animate good art. Yeah, so that's gotcha. kind of my role. That's that's where my, my roots are at. That's awesome. I also got a whole uh, list of children's and adult coloring books. Um, so I've got one called American Cryptids, which has probably been the most popular. This is the newest one called Modern American Lovecraft. Oh, nice. Uh, it's just got like a whole bunch of fun, sort of like Lovecraftian yeah. American-specific artwork. I like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah! That's awesome. So, I mean, that's that's a couple of the, the newer ones. And then I've got another one that I haven't really showed much that I'm still waiting to, to launch because I, I need a budget. Ironically, the book's been done, but I need a budget to like bring it out and have a whole marketing thing and get some advertising because otherwise you put it on Amazon. And if it doesn't just like start striking out orders, it kind of like sinks to the bottom of the barrel and they never promote it organically. Right. right? So this is my my baby. Never a straight answer, uh, which stands for NASA. And it's basically about Stanley Kubrick directing the CIA uh, moon landings. But it takes kind of like a really funny approach to it. Like, for example, I've got like notes all over this one. But this is um, based on the idea that the Beatles approached Stanley Kubrick while he was working on 2001 Space Odyssey. And they wanted him to direct a Lord of the Rings movie that starred all of them. And he basically was like, yeah, I'm, I'm too busy to do that. But, like, what if it happened? And yeah, that's kind of what comics are for. Like, I want to see what happened, if that actually played out. So uh, there's, like, that. And just, like, a lot of cool little... Uh, here's one that's a, a huge, like, hamster wheel in space that they were going to be working on. <laughs>
0: With a toilet in it. <laughs> I like it.
1: And then, like, for example, to get into, like, the hardcore... Uh, Right here, this is showing the 3M uh, strips that they use for back projection. Um, So like, depending on how much you care about conspiracy theories, it's got the surface level like, oh, haha, funny, all seeing eye, eyes wide shut. But if you want to get really into the dirt, I guarantee like every book that you'll pick up from me, you'll find those little like, and here's the 3M backlight and here's what to look up if you want to know more about this, which I think is like the heart and the paint, sort of like, you know, scratch beyond the surface. So that's kind of my intent is to always leave those breadcrumbs so if you're ever interested in something i guarantee you there's there's some kind of truth behind it no matter how crazy or wacky it sounds there's truth behind it
0: oh all that that's every conspiracy theory you know what i mean there we see it now more than ever with uh you know the pandemic that you know rolled out on us and and everything that us conspiracy theories uh, theorists or realists have been saying oh wow funny how they're kind of coming true now <laughs>
1: maybe although some people went just deeper into their little holes yeah right? that like, yeah true they they build the little fence around them just a little bit taller so they don't have to hear it or see it which is it's you know it's an interesting dynamic but i don't think it's a new one i think that like as me and you personally are getting older and we're observing it for ourselves it's like new to us but it wasn't new to the dudes that turned 40 10 years ago and the dudes tend to turn 40 10 years before you know what i mean it's right. just like you're always constantly discovering it. And I wouldn't believe it if someone told me like, ah, oh, whatever boomer, whatever old man, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you become the old man boomer. You're like, ah, oh, these damn kids. And you know, this stupid culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you couldn't say that any better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what else? I'll, I'll drop some other cool ones on. All right. Here. Hell yeah. This, this is a, another one of my kind of like my biggest personal, the thing that I contributed the most and, and kind of, wrote the most, did the most research, and represents the most background is Secret Mystery School. And originally it was going to be kind of Harry Potter stoner movie comic, but it evolved into so much more than that, where just like the conspiracy theory comics, I wanted to get into like the the actual details of what did the Secret Mystery Schools teach? How did you get into them? What were the lessons that they taught? Um, so I'm not going to show you what's inside this first one. You're actually going to have to go to the website... Uh, and check it out, but this one's already got four or five issues out. Oh, nice. Um, and this is one of my my babies, for sure. Let's see. This is uh, Paranoid American History 101, which is an anthology of eight different stories. Um, one, it's got everything from a Skull and Bones story about um, Prescott Bush mm. going and actually digging up the Skull of Geronimo for the Skull and Bones Secret Society at Yale, and all the names and dates and locations that were involved in that. Uh, covers the Iran country scandal uh, with uh, crack being shipped into the black communities and and sold for, you know, basically gun and political money. Uh, all kinds of interesting stories in this one. This is like the the big fat. If you want to see everything I got to offer. And it also has um, a couple pages from the Stanley Kubrick in there.
0: How nice. Yeah, it's, it's funny how Oliver North turned out to be a good guy at
1: all that. Oh yeah. Wonderful guy. Yeah, I mean, why why isn't he president already? It's weird that he hasn't even made a run for it.
0: Yeah, no shit. And then, you know, growing up, I remember hearing about the Iran uh, deal and seeing the trials when we were in high school or whatever. And then what was it? Maybe five, 10 years ago. He's on Hannity left and right. I'm like, what the, how, how is this guy like all of a sudden just like the good
1: conservative guy? Like, well, he just enjoys the uh the integrity of the back of his skull he, like he, like most of us do uh, true but you want to you want to keep it so it doesn't turn mushy That's a <laughs> yeah. horrible way to go out and honestly i think i mean th- this is in conspiratorial land right? right um which is where i like to just kind of play speculative like oh i wonder if this happens or I wonder if this happens but it almost feels like he's the model he's the guy that's like Here's how you can do horrible war crimes, illegal, you know, federal felonies that would send anyone else to jail for multiple lifetimes. Here's how to do it and get away with it and just flaunt it and become, uh, you know, a rich sort of TV personality, Hollywood guy. Yeah. And if you just follow these steps, you know, one, two, three, do these things, do what you're told and just take the blame and take the fall. Don't worry. Like, well, we got your back all the way through it. It's a little bit of a gamble, right? But you look at, at the people that can just get like presidential pardons or just kind of like float their way through industry and politics and evade the law by, you know, taking like a hard left and going into industry here and, and lawyering up and then getting back into politics when it suits you. If you can navigate that space, like you're a god among men, right? You're the oh, absolutely one, the one-eyed man in the, the, the eye of the blind or whatever, in the land of the blind.
0: Yeah, because uh, <laughs> it's amazing how many people probably did forget what he actually you know did with with that and they're like oh ollie north and and even some of maybe the boomers and stuff they're they're just like oh yeah well he's on fox he must be credible it's like no he's not (laughs) are you
1: saying fox doesn't have the absolute truth here uh, no well
0: uh, sorry they do they do they're they're the best they're yeah get the fuck out (laughs) i used i used to be brainwashed to think that fox was you know telling the truth all the time and
1: then I uh So I'm curious, oh, but, did you start out uh, like watching Fox from like a younger age or earlier age, like if you were in your twenties, did you have a similar beliefs or or did you flip flop or did you like what where'd you go at? Did I, you start I, out not caring?
0: kind of more not caring. Um I always lean more conservative uh my whole life, but like when we were in the Air Force, if they had the T V on it was like headline news or CNN. You know what I mean? That that's just what they put on because that was what was popular back then i never really got into even to to this day watching like fox news or it. you know what i mean but i did go through a patch in my life where i was hooked on like conservative talk radio where i thought glenn beck rush limbaugh, <laughs> limbaugh <yeah. laughs> and were God. All, all like the gods spitting the truth and then one day i, I something clicked and i was just like no uh,
1: it's a sermon bro you realize like oh i'm in the middle of a sermon right now this this preacher has this cadence and rhetoric that just kind of like entrances you yeah and makes you believe what they're saying because they know how to say things in convincing ways regardless of the content right yeah like they could almost just go dah, 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 dah. like not even say words and just get you on their side and then say something and they've built up so much rapport that they can just say something. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah I trust this dude. Yeah, I, lo- I oh, love this cadence.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was that way with Glenn Beck. I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I don't know what, what sparked it. I was just like, I'm sick of the doom and gloom. This guy's a great fucking uh,
1: carrot dangler.
0: <laughs> and he just dangles you right along. And then you find out.
1: Right after these commercials.
0: Yeah. Uh, sponsor uh, this break, uh,
1: to, or tune back in at five o'clock. You know, it, after it, the, the the rush is over and you're heading back from your job. You know, I know I'm going to be capturing your attention again, so we'll continue it later.
0: Yeah, and then it, it it was like then you find out he's a Mormon, and I'm like, okay, that that's I know I I, I have a slight reputation on Ryan's show to piss off Mormons, but you know if if you if that's <laughs> what you believe in, that that's fine. It's just.
1: You don't like magic underpants? I,
0: I wear them every Tuesday when we do cunt.
1: Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I find it interesting at least. At least it's not yeah. like a an incredibly boring uh religion. There's, no. There's plenty of like boring versions. Like I was uh brought up Roman Catholic, which Ugh. it's okay, but you know, it's been done, dude. It's it's old and tired and you know, great. You're studying like the OG bible but i want the new stuff like we don't get magic underpants or anything
0: yeah that's true we <laughs> you don't as a roman catholic get magic underpants uh but you do kneel a lot and you do stand a lot and then you do sit and then you do kneel and then you stand and
1: <laughs> i also realized too interesting going through the, the military i was a chaplain for a little while or a chaplain's assistant not an actual chaplain because he had to be an officer yeah
0: you're um, but, like a white but robe
1: by, by doing that i actually was able to attend a lot of different religious um, courses And it blew my mind because before I was deep into conspiracy theories, I think the military made me deep into it because my first time after going through basic and going on to an actual base, and they had a Wiccan service, and Yeah, had like a satanic service. Uh, and then they had, you know, Baptist and Protestant and Pentecost and Roman Catholic. So I got to go to all the different services. And it just blew my mind that this was like a government sanctioned. There was a chaplain being paid you know, by tax money yeah. to give a Wiccan service in the middle of, you know, basically like wartime. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that along with just so many other like, oh, that's how the real world works. Because, you know, I'm 17, 18. Right. So that's what kind of steered me towards conspiracy theory, I think.
0: So w- when you were in basic training, which did you attend church service by any by any chance? Did you figure? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, which so, one? Did, so I, w- which was your favorite to go to?
1: Roman Catholic uh, was, was my favorite. I don't know that part of it is because of bias, but the other part is because they were very um, orthodox in terms of Roman Catholic service. And that if I went to the Baptist or the Protestant service, they were giving out cracker, like saltine crackers and grape juice and stuff. And Oh, you know, this is, and growing up as a Roman Catholic, I'm like, this isn't the blood of Christ, dude. Like the blood of Christ gives me a little bit of a buzz, right? This is just going to give me (laughs) a sweet tooth a little bit. Uh, So at the Roman Catholic service, we actually got Eucharist, like actual Eucharist and actual wine. And since I was the chaplain, I was responsible for making sure that all the wine didn't end up. Yeah, because you can't pour it down the drain because you can't just throw Jesus's blood out. So. I mean, I was probably the only person in basic uh, at that point, you know, that was just getting drunk every Sunday, essentially. <laughs> uh, and it was great. You know, I would I would get drunk and then head back to the, the base, um, to the barracks and not even really care if we were getting yelled at because, you know, I had like <laughs> at least the equivalent of three or four glasses of wine at that point.
0: Nice. So you did that probably for the same reasons I went. I, I found out real quick to go to the Southern Baptist Church. Because they gave out uh, juice and cookies at the end.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and some and the Baptists also sometimes would play like movie clips. Like you just be yeah. in the middle of, and that blew my mind. That more than anything, out of all the services I went to, was Baptist and Protestant services, where it's like, do you are you playing Forrest Gump right now? Like what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was in church because again, I had only gone to Roman Catholic, where if you even like look the wrong, you know, if you look behind you in the middle of some serious thing, you get like. Sh- or you get like someone like yelling at you or making dirty looks. And right. All these other ones is like, you guys are just dancing. Yeah. You know? Like <laughs> we're watching movies. This is great.
0: I'm coming here next Sunday.
1: <laughs> so those became my favorite, but because of the the atmosphere and being in basic, the the one where I got to get drunk, day drunk on Sundays was definitely my favorite for that reason.
0: Hell yeah. I, I wish I would have known that back then because I would have done the same thing.
1: Well, and my recruiter said, because the recruiter just lies about everything, right? And one of the other <laughs> yeah. lies, which probably is true for some people, but he said, don't volunteer for anything. Like once you get into basic and they're like, oh, who, you know, who's good at this or who's such and such, just shut up. Don't like raise your hand, don't make eye contact because you're just going to stand out. So as soon as we get the basic, like the very first day and the TI is like who here is extremely religious and just like in a, in a nanosecond I was like it can't possibly be bad like I can't say I'm a religious person and then you immediately start doing horrible things to me right so I felt like it was this this like you know chink in the armor it was a loophole to the rule of like don't volunteer so without even thinking my hand was just like burp you know what I mean because I'm also a little bit uh, you know, 17 year old ripped away from home, getting yelled at for yeah. a full day. So I just want to like latch onto something and I'm just like, this can't be bad. Boop. And then it was like, get your crap, you know, go down to the chapel. You're gonna be chaplain assistant. And it worked out so great. I highly recommend it to anyone if you're listening and considering going into boot camp. There you go, kids. Chaplain assistant is sweet. Because then you don't have to do KP duty. You don't got to get up at 4 a.m. and start scrubbing uh, all the little trays. You don't got to do barracks uh, duty. The only thing you got to do is maybe like night duty where you're brushing up and sweeping, which is kind of like the nicest one to get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I hated KP duty fucking hated i it. never had to do it and and honestly we had a, a special service the day that they were doing the uh tear gas training so i just conveniently didn't have to go through the tear gas training
0: wow you lucked out
1: i did luck out it was great <laughs> it was almost like i had someone looking after me right
0: hell yeah <laughs> yeah i uh the whole kp thing man they would get you up at like two two three in the morning you'd go over there you'd, you'd start your thing and then Next thing you know, you're doing breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I don't know if we did it for a week straight or just a couple days, you know, cause that, that was years ago, but man, it fucking sucked.
1: And I remember the biggest complaint was people would just burn their fingers cause they just keep the, the water on like boiling mode uh, for everything. So people would come back with like third degree burns yeah. and then have to like fold their laundry. And it was just, <laughs> it was kind of fun to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I don't, I don't know if it was just something we did in, in our flight. But we'd always find whoever was good at shirts did shirts, whoever was good yeah, yeah, at underwear yeah. and Dude, just so, so on so and so forth. So some of the
1: tips, man. I remember some boot camp versions that you don't see outside of boot camp, but you'd fill your canteen up with the hottest water you can find and then use that on the edges to crease it and kind of like act like an iron. Yeah. Um. And like there was there was so many cool little nitpicks and tricks. And like, yeah, there was the one guy that knew how to just get that perfect thing. And then another I was a hospital corner guy. Like I could kill any hospital corner you needed so, like, my shirts were always nice because I did everyone's hospital corners.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was uh, I was really good at shining shoes. So I,
1: so I got that once I could cheat out of boot camp, right? And then I could go and um, when I'm in tech training, I, I was basically in, I forget what they call it now, the honor guard, I think, or, like, color guard or something. Mm-hmm. What'd you um, get, mop and glow? It, that's ex- <laughs> exactly, bro. The, the mop and glow. But it was, like, it's a very specific alchemical process, right? You can't just, like, slap no. a bunch of crap on there. So the the number one trick was you would get the black polish, the clear polish, and the mop and glow, and then there would be uh, some other like like actual like nail not nail polish but some kind of like a glossy finish you'd put on top of the mop and to keep it from cracking. And it would be like candy shell, bro. It would turn into like a. But the the biggest thing is I would just light the entire um, tin of black polish on fire and just let it drip all over the toe. And then we set off so many fire alarms. I mean, one guy set, a, <laughs> set an entire arm on fire doing this. Oh, uh, because It's a bunch of, 7 you know, it's like 80, 17-year-olds living in an abandoned building. You know, no more than an abandoned building that happens to have running water for a few months. Right. Uh, so, like, yeah, people do, like, the dumbest things you, imaginable. But the boots were impeccable. You could walk by, and people would stop and, like comment on how shiny these boots were because you could see reflection in them mm-hmm. without any little chi- oh yeah man it was i don't know it was fun because you can find things that you're really good at and excel at and hide behind that and then just be like horrible at your job but as long as you maintain some of the other standards like you can just float by forever oh yeah
0: totally uh I, there was one trick we picked up in in tech school me and my roommate we would uh wax our, our floor we'd pull everything out we'd wax it to bring in the buffer And then at the end, we found out Pledge. We'd spray Pledge and then buff that in. Well, it made the floor pop. I mean, almost like you could see a a reflection. However, it was slippery as shit with socks. And we found out it was really slippery for the, uh, what were they? They weren't TIs. They were dorm, whatever. They'd come in and inspect. Well, if they wore those TAPs, on their, on their shoes, yeah, they, they had a hard time walking on the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that would just make you want to do it every time as much as possible. That's right? what we did. <laughs> it, it's so funny, too, that, like, you you join the military, so you're in the most authoritarian state outside of prison, right, that you can put yourselves in, in, in this country at least, um, that's government-sanctioned. And then as soon as you get in there, everyone automatically is, like, still acting anti-authoritarian you know everyone wants to be like a contrarian but you're also like snapping in the line and doing what you're told yeah but it's always like oh yeah but it's in spite of you you know it's 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 a weird (laughs) dynamic man i i've and i feel like it's a very like quintessential american attitude oh totally screw you bud you know and and even the the sergeants you know some of them outside of training you call them sir Like, don't you call me sir i work for a living you know don't call me sir i don't you know I don't have any stripes on my shoulder, so I, I love that whole mentality. I'm not some butter bar, you know? yeah.
0: <laughs> and then the whole time you're, you're doing that, and you know, j- just like you said, oh, I'm rebelling, yes, sir. And you're falling in line. And then years later, you realize, for basic training and part of tech school, mainly basic training, that was MK Ultra at its finest.
1: Oh. Dude. And you know, what's crazy is that's probably the moment that I switched from being a fence sitting, you know, oh, you know, JFK movie was interesting. Oliver Stone might be onto something to like, oh, wow, there's something to this. This is how the nation was built. And it was the first day of basic training or the first night. Basically, everyone's been getting yelled at. No one's got their haircuts yet. Everyone's in their civilian clothes. Uh, Like no one knows what the hell's going on. They're in the barracks for the first time and the TIs come in, there's like three of them, and they would just kind of like pick the one that looked the most scared, right, mm-hmm. and surround him. They'd triangulate this, this new recruit that just is about to crap himself, and they would intentionally start yelling contradictory commands. One guy would be like, You know, go to bed, clean your bed. The other guy's going, get into the shower, you know, take a shower. And the other guy's like, don't take your clothes off. And I remember seeing this and thinking at that that time, like, that's impossible. Like, they they have to know what they're doing. So therefore, no, like, and again, it was like this nanosecond thing of like, oh, I understand what's happening they're trying to just mess with his head and see what happens. So I was like, I'm going to see what happens to this guy and see like how I should react. And the dude just walks right into the showers with all this clothes on and turns the showers on, starts taking a shower, fully clothed, because <laughs> the guys are, like basically telling him to do that. Um, and it's like, okay, so so they'll let you do crazy stuff. And then the, the very next day, the same T.I. came in with, a bottle of Hershey's syrup and he goes into the bathroom and he just sprays it all over the ceiling floor. Cause the whole entire room is basically all tile. Right. And it just gets everywhere. Right. Like all over the toilets and the stalls. And he comes out and he's like, I'm going to be back in 15 minutes. And if that's not as spotless as I've ever seen it, then everyone here is in, you know, deep trouble. Essentially. He uses yeah. very harsh words. And he leaves and you just see people freaking out. Some people go in the corner and start crying. Some people snap in the shape and they just start scrubbing as fast as they can. And again, I was like, there's no way, even if we all join forces, like it was a freaking Disney, you know, like football movie right. and overcame this, we're not cleaning this thing up in 15 minutes, guys. Impossible, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, but you had the hardcores that would try and then you'd have some that were, were trying and then trying to assume like a leadership role and like yelling well, and at others like, let's
1: go. Those were the, because then the, the guy comes back in, the TI, and he, and he sees immediately, I'm sure, after you've gone through like, 20 or 30 flights you can just pick them out the second they get off the bus i'm sure oh yeah and like, okay those are the crybabies those are the freak out dudes those are the leaders and then here's the guys that are just kind of like apathetic about it and unfortunately if you're in that group that's when you get the, the eyeball on you if you're in the other groups they kind of know what to do with you right like the crybabies um and i'm sorry for anyone that cried through <laughs> yeah. boot camp but uh, <laughs> but like they they get they get fostered right like that those are the ones that the ti is like hey you're doing a great job hey bud you know your family back home is real proud of you they get those talks yeah if you're in the apathetic crowd you don't get those talks you just get yelled at all the time and like you know getting to to step and getting the line but yeah uh, I
0: think but- the criers are are the ones usually end up being like the house mouse.
1: Well, and the criers, too, are the ones you got to watch out for because they do like the weird they're the ones that take the weird shortcuts because they don't want to get yelled at, yeah. which can actually cause a huge problem. Like you can get someone killed because you were afraid to have a confrontation with someone. Oh, exactly. So I think they try to they try to break those people the most, I think. Uh, and again, the the MK Ultra, I it was before I even knew what that phrase was. I had maybe heard Illuminati from like rap songs and from the Illuminatus trilogy by, you know, Robert Anton Wilson, but I didn't really think that there was anything to it. And as soon as I'm in there, I'm like, oh, this is mind control. Mind control's real. Mind <laughs> control exists. And I'm learning from the guys that invented it essentially. So, yeah. You know, take take notes.
0: I remember the first night, I dude, I, I couldn't it took me like five or 10 minutes to unlock that fucking lock on, on the locker. Like, I, I forgot how to operate a fucking key in a lock. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, come on,
1: like, get with it here. So have you ever seen a Darren Brown, uh, the mentalist or ever heard of Darren Brown?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so.
1: He He's a he's a British mentalist, and he's not necessarily like the world renowned expert on anything in particular, but he's got such a, a casual and great way of explaining things. And one of these, I'm going to paraphrase and just kind of like throw uh, horrible terms out because I can't remember the exact names of all this stuff. But it's called like a Russian pickpocket scheme. And essentially what he does is that there's like a finite number of things that a human being can keep in their sort of like short term memory. Right. Like in your Ram chip, Mm -hmm. there's only like and it's roughly seven, like give or minus maybe two. But no one's going around with like 20 things on their mind unless you're sort of Rain Man style. But then you can't. Function properly, anyways. So it doesn't matter. Um, but once you, you just get want to watch Wapner to, to have between five and seven things in their mind at any given moment, then anything you you tell them after that, they'll just take as a command, almost like breathe in or breathe out. Like they don't even think about it. So he, there's so many examples where he just goes up to someone on a street, and it'll be like first it's like, oh hey man, can I can I grab your attention real quick? And he'll kind of like touch them, which is called a kinetic anchor where now it's like, okay, you're touching me, so now I have to pay attention to someone as opposed to just ignoring some dude that's like, hey, you're going to get your time, and you just keep walking, right? So, like, here's one thing that I'm thinking about. Why is this dude touching me? Is this going to turn into an altercation? And then it's like hey, I'm lost. Um, I'm trying to get to Main Street. And I think it's that way, you know, when you point this way. But some this, this lady down there said it was this way. Well, now I'm like, I'm touching you. I'm talking about one direction. I'm talking about a lady that said some other direction. I'm talking about like, maybe it's this way. So I'll, already I'm getting you to like four or five things. And then if I can say, oh, by the way, what time is it? Hey, can I use your phone? Now you're around five or seven. And if you're actually one of those people that's engaging with me, you know, a little bit of a sucker maybe right. because you didn't just ignore me. Now I can just say like, oh, give me your car keys. Uh, grab, grab me your wallet real quick. Let me just hold your wallet really quick. And if you're still trying to process the first like five to seven things I threw at you, those ones you're just like trying to please me to get me off your back. So it's, it's a very real phenomenon. It's exactly what you're describing here. When like, I know how to use a lock. I know how to put a key yeah. into a lock without freaking out or like, oh, I don't know how this works or how it turns. Like you forget what direction to turn the key. It's not just that your nerves are shaking and your hand doesn't fit. Your brain shuts down because you're basically saying like, I'm giving control over to you. Like uh-huh. you open the lock. Here's my <laughs> brain. Here's my arms and hands and then they don't really give you the instructions they just yell you know just like open it open it open it yeah. so of course you can't get it open uh, but yeah mk ultra in its finest form for sure
0: yeah it, it it was crazy when i came across uh mk ultra and all that uh, i think it was behold a pale horse is what really opened my eyes to a lot more things when i was younger it was always a running joke um we, me and my buddy were sitting on uh the steps of a Masonic temple in this little town. And I remember him saying, yeah, if you talk bad about the Masons, <laughs> they'll kill, they'll take you and you'll disappear and they'll kill you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, so that was like the first real secret society that I ever really, you know, came across my radar. And then, you know, obviously years later more, but it's just weird how he knew that or, or thought that, and then would tell me, and then for my thought, into later and then you come across a a book like behold a pale horse and then you start looking at a lot of other weird shit and then you you come across mk ultra and you're like holy fuck that was done to me in the military and (laughs) you're just like
1: (laughs) oh this is the guide yeah this is what they started with
0: (laughs) fucking nazis
1: it's it's actually kind of crazy too that if you look, you don't have to look back more than the 1930s to the 1960s. That is essentially where all American propaganda, mind control research and experimentation was in its heyday. It was it was truly between the 30s and the 60s, uh, right before the the Church Committee and um, the the. Crown the family jewels case comes out, and everyone starts getting hip to MKUltra, and they have to do a little bit more covertly. That's where you could just do it out in the open. No one even knew what drugs were, right? Like, up until right. the late 50s, if someone dosed you on acid, you wouldn't even know that you're on acid, you would just think you're going crazy. So, yeah, the, the CIA was like, Man, we can actually make people legit crazy and then see what happens. So then they had to like by the time we're in the military, right? They can't just dose us with mescaline like they could with Project Bluebird and 47. Right. Um we'd have to sign a special waiver and then there's like lawyers and legal cases and everything else under the sun, right? Uh but all of the things that they figured out that they can do without violating Geneva Convention codes cuz that's the other big thing too is is that World War II kind of ruined the party for the US military where it's like, "Oh, we wanted to do that, but" They ruined it for everyone, you know. Now no one can play that game. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, so we kind of get like the 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 sort of diluted version of what we could have gotten just ten or twenty, you know, years prior to that.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating shit. Uh, I know Ryan's been doing some uh, episodes on uh, the uh, CIA links to like the psychedelic movement and all that, and he blew my mind with Alan Watts. I did not realize he was. In with um, that group of pushing the psychedelics and and doing this, I just oh of
1: course, dude. I mean, have you have you listened to any of his like long twenty hour lecture?
0: I, I never it made before. it that far. I okay. I would listen to bits and pieces, you know what I mean, here and there. But I was just like, fuck, so I, if, I never if, knew that. If
1: you listen to a lot of his uh, release speeches, like the ones that that him or his foundation or his estate put out, they're like these long. I mean, I said like twenty, but you know, somewhere like eight hours or whatever. Right. They're very long, but if you listen, it's always like these rich military wives in the background or these rich socialite wives in the background. He's, he's never talking to a group of workers and blue collar guys. You know, it's, it's always like these affluent husbands that let leave their home, you know, wives at home and then they need something to do. And Alan Watts kind of like a manly Palmer Hall was like rich women with money, you know, (laughs) bored women with money. Like, I know how to fill that space. So I think Alan Watts, I love his philosophy and everything. And, like, you know, the whole world's a game, and it's just, like, a big thing. Yeah. But uh, absolutely. Like, he just took the money from, like, the military, right, is paying all these top <laughs> officials. The money goes to them. Then it goes to the wives. Then it goes to Ellen Watts. So it's, like, this direct chain. He might as well have just been directly contracted by Hollywood slash high government.
0: Yeah, 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 maybe maybe would have made even more money. Who knows? Because
1: <laughs> it's not like he was going to like the poorest hippie commune, no. and just giving lectures there. You know, he was recording this stuff uh, in like nice, you know, air conditioned little lobbies and people's nice mansions and stuff. Yeah, so that not in my mind, it doesn't take away from what he was saying, but it gives him a very like he was a uh, American human, right? Like he was a yeah. capitalist, and he was full of faults. Um, and, uh, and I would consider him American just because, you know, he came here and knew how to work the capitalist system instantly and rub shoulders with the right people. I mean, that's the most American thing you can do. I don't care where you are born or where you're from.
0: Oh, absolutely. That would be considered probably the American dream.
1: I mean, absolutely. <laughs> but
0: what else, uh, yeah, what else do you want to get into? I mean, we kind of touched on the military here and, and, and what have you. I mean, we can always jump back to that, but. Uh, uh,
1: yeah MK ultra mind control yeah. well so directly out of the military I went to work right for a recording studio and started doing a whole bunch of music and I wanted that to be my thing I was going to leave the military and just become a full-time professional you know producer slash uh, studio engineer and I did it for about two years and realized like oh, I don't want to do cocaine for my whole life, so I guess this might not be the industry that I can just thrive (laughs) in forever, at least from whatever corner that I had found myself wedged into, right? Right. Um, I was like, oh, so if I'm not at the studio working between the hours of 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., then I might as well not even show up during working hours because all of the the actual people that would come and spend the real money or that knew the owners, you know, they're up until all hours of the night because they're doing shows and after parties and if you don't want to live that exact lifestyle then like you're not part of it right you can't do it anymore
0: hookers and blow
1: so i i did that for a little while and then realized like this isn't sustainable i can't i can't maintain my life like this including a, a little stint uh, at jail in san antonio so that was like reconfirmation that yeah you probably aren't built for this exact line of work in the way that you're going about it right so from there i actually went left the military, went directly into uh to jail essentially from the the recording uh industry. Those two things were interconnected, and then, as soon as I got out, I was like, I'll work for Disney so I moved to Orlando and uh got a job and worked uh, at Disney for ten years.
0: oh nice uh what did you experience doing that?
1: Um, it was honestly probably like one of the coolest jobs in the world for the longest time oh wow just because. I got like the work wasn't thrilling and it was very demanding, but at any point we could just leave our desk if there wasn't like a huge project going on and go and ride a roller coaster. Cause it was literally on property at Disney world in Hollywood studios. So like the tower of terror and the rock and roller coaster were a five minute walk from my desk. If, if I stood up out of my chair, I could be on the tower of terror within five minutes. Cause I also knew how to get into like the side single rider entry and skip all the lines and everything. So that part alone was just like the coolest thing ever. It felt like I was in like a like a secret society almost at that point, right? Like how many people on this planet can just get up out of their chair and go and ride the Tower of Terror and then go back to work and get paid for the whole thing. So just that dynamic behind it made all the work just like, you know, like I loved the work, even the most boring, crappy things we had to do. I loved it because of that reason. And spoiler alert, that's actually why Disney burns through people because they know that they've you know they've they know that oh you're working for disney so we can underpay you and treat you like crap because of like the disney perk just the uh you know being related to disney or having it on your resume but that kind of gets old after a while and and just like the military which which is interesting because uh walt disney actually worked with a lot of military contractors so Mm -hmm. the guys that would build military bases and prisons and schools he was like, oh, I'll have one of those guys build the park because they know what they're doing. They then he had to cordon off certain types of traffic. And the same way that a prison can make sure that secure areas stay secure, he wanted to have that for Disney World in Orlando. Right. Um, so, I, So I kind of like started to see that happening. And then I got in trouble one day because like my sideburns and my beard started getting a little bit too long. Um, and it, and all of a sudden that like same zero tolerance policy of like, but I don't even go and see people. It doesn't matter because section one Oh two, three B, if you look on here, then, you know, you're going to get a demerit and then we're going to put in a letter of recommendation in. And I was like, Oh, I'm back in the military. So yeah, fuck at this. that point I was like, all right, I'm going to get out of here.
0: So, uh, <clears throat> what got you into Freemasonry If I, if I may ask,
1: uh, no, next question. Okay.
0: So what? What? So, uh,
1: so I was mentioning when I was in San Antonio, I was trying to decide if I could live the nightlife. So I ended up getting a graveyard shift, and I was working like a Kinko's copies. Uh, sla- it was like right after FedEx had bought them, and it was dude. I forgot
0: about Kinko's.
1: Oh, everyone forgot, dude. But that was where everyone went to go yeah. and get their flyers made and get your CD made before you could burn a CD at home. You yep. go to Kinko's and they do all this stuff for you. Which honestly is probably what helped get me into animation and just working with like technology and art because you got to know how to do color matching and you got to know when like there's a little bit too much magenta in the toner roll and how to like do all the adjustments. So it kind of put me on that path. So I'm I'm grateful for it. But also, when you work at the graveyard shift in a huge metropolitan city, and San Antonio is a huge international metropolitan city, like yes. no question about it. Um, so I'm like in the epicenter of San Antonio working by myself, um, like a 20 year old kid, you know, early twenties and you would just have weirdos show up in the middle of the fucking night, you know, 3am th- th- giving you weird, you know, commands, but if they've got money, you kind of got to do what they tell you to do because they're a customer. So I-, I got used to just zoning people out and like, yeah, whatever, bud. Like, I don't even know if you're just sleeping on the corner and you came in here to use the bathroom and you're just making up some story so I don't kick you out. <laughs> um, so one night I'm working and the guy comes up and he starts saying like a bunch of weird stuff to me. And I don't even remember what it was because it was, he was basically throwing like Masonic phrases at me to see if I like, you know, I'd turn and get my attention and I didn't pick up a single one, you know? And, I, and he, and it must've been like when like, um, like a couple are flirting for the first time yeah and it's like not picking up the signals. So then he was like, Hey man, I got to ask you, are, are you a Mason? And I was like. No, you know like completely cut off guard um no idea what the hell he's talking about and apparently the ring that i was wearing which was my grandpa's ring it had a g on it and my last name starts with g so i had to just always assume that it was this uh family you know ring based on my last name and he's like well you're wearing a masonic ring and you know are you sure And he's like yeah well there's three oak leaves in the corners and it's got this symbol here and it's it had like a very uh subtle square and compass outline but mm-hmm. not like, if you didn't know that's what it was, you would just be like, oh, there's like a little shape on the side. Right. So he tells me all this, and I still don't believe him because, again, it's 3 a.m. at a Kinko's, and he was probably like looking at porn or something on the internet. I don't know what the hell he was doing at 3 a.m. at a Kinko's. <laughs> but because, like, just because you're there at that time at this place talking to me, I'm like, I can't trust you because I wouldn't be in a, you know, a club that would have me type of mentality, right? Right. So, it go Like, years go by, but then I, I asked my dad at one point, and was like, oh yeah, by the way, this guy told me about this ring. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, your grandpa was a mason, but he thought it was the last name, too. He had no idea. So anyways, that sent me down this long rabbit hole of like, wait, was my grandpa in on it? Like, did my grandpa kill JFK? Did he mind <laughs> control me? You know, like, was was he an evil, horrible person? Like, I didn't even remember any of that stuff. Um, So it, it, it kind of like, threw me in an opposite direction, right? Because it was just Masons are evil. Masons are running the world along with the bankers and the globalists and yada, yada, yada. You've, you've heard every single right. you know, variation of that. And it was hard to come to a sort of like union here of if I believe all of that, but I also like trust and loved my grandpa and my family and didn't believe that they were in on it because, you know, they're basically always been public workers their entire lives, blue collar. There was like no politics in my background or Hollywood or no one ever got like a good, you know, like a, a nice deal anywhere. It was always like the guy's getting stepped on. So it felt like I was missing this part of it. And the only way that I could figure out if it was evil or not or if it was, you know, if he was in on it is I kind of felt like I had to go undercover and see if I could get in on it. And then like. You know, and it was like, screw them, dude. If they're doing something horrible, I'll expose the hell out of them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you get in and it's a bunch of old dudes and they make meatloaf and they talk about, you know, like their, their problems and their dreams. And, oh, when I was your age, you know, you get a lot of those kind of talks and stuff. So it was just kind of like going to retirement home the first time I went to one. <laughs> so it took a lot of that allure and mystery of like, I didn't feel like anyone was going to hurt me or make me kiss a goat because they were literally like, the dude just showed me pictures of his grandkids. And unless like, as soon as the door closes and the little latch locks and the lights go off, they just like get into an orgy. Like, otherwise these dudes are just normal. You know, that was my grandpa. That was the guy that gave the ring to my dad. And then my dad gave the ring to me. He was also a grandpa. So anyways, long, long winded version of it was. It went from, like, I don't trust the Masons, Freemasons are, you know, evil, to, like, I'm going to infiltrate the Masons, you know, I'm going to find out, you know, from myself what's going on, to, like, oh, okay, it's a club of like-minded people that are all interested in weird, you know, occult kind of topics, and are willing to, you know, do the work to memorize boring stuff, and then if you pass those things, those requirements, then you get to, you know, get a little club and, like, a little card you put in your wallet. I mean, there's way more to it than that, but I'm definitely not one of those people that goes like hard in the paint because I got other stuff going on.
0: Right now, is it true that they might give you test, and depending on if you pass it or fail it, you might move up a degree, or you might move up in a faux degree.
1: Uh, I know what you're talking about and I don't, I'm not aware of anything like that. And I've seen people pass and fail tests and it's not, it's not a huge dramatic thing in the moment it might be, but it it doesn't go on like your permanent record in this, in that kind of way. I I can't, I don't want to get into like the very specific details and I'll say why. Because anyone that really cares about what happens in a lodge and what all of like, the the secrets are that you're not allowed to talk about. If you really, really care about that and really want to know what they are, you can find them online guaranteed. They've been published since the late 1800s and even before then, but you can find even down to the state, like what the exact catechisms are and what the oaths are. People have posted them in forums and there's PDFs on archive.org and everything. Right? So if, if you're not willing to just go and read all that yourself and you want to ask a Mason, to break their oath to explain something to you that you can just figure out on your own that's not even salacious, then all that's really happening is you're just getting someone to break an oath because you're being lazy. Right. So I I feel like that's kind of like where I stand on the matter, where like there's nothing that I can tell you that you can't find out yourself and probably learn 10 times more about it than than I know about it, uh just by doing the research. So there's, you know, it's it's a it's like a weird sort of anomaly where it's like. Yeah, I I know things that I'm not allowed to talk about, but you can know them too if you just fucking go to this PDF link. I'll send you the PDF link because I didn't write it. You know, I just found it online. There it is.
0: So we touched on on the Mormon religion a little bit. Uh, the Occult Rejects rejects did a, a series months ago on uh, the Mormons and 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 what have you. They kind of stumbled across a lot of similarities to a lot of Masonic uh, rituals, or oh, oh not
1: similarity, oh. just straight plagiarism. Okay, I mean, yeah, all right. Because because Masonry, even going back, if you want to talk about the Bavarian Illuminati, right, seventeen seventy six, mm-hmm. and you know Adam Weishaupt, and well, the Bavarian Illuminati, all they did was figured out how to infiltrate Freemasonry because what Freemasonry represents is a very sort of functional and efficient system. It's like here's how you put together a trade union. I mean, they didn't have trade unions back in the day. They had guilds and they had a Freemasonry was essentially a guild of Masons. But that same exact structure that you would have with any kind of union, it was sort of that prototype version of it. So then the Illuminati comes along to like, oh, if I can infiltrate a union, then I just automatically get all of the union members if I just get the heads of the union. So this model just kind of, moves around through history and it just works really well so mormons come in and like hey how do we up our numbers instantly oh well we just take this system that's been working for the last 300 years and just adapt it to our own needs and not just adapt the system we'll just take their stories and their handshakes and like all of the silly little rituals and like all of the dress just, we'll just change
0: the name a little bit we'll go from okay, just run, Mason run it through to
1: gpt right yeah. put, put it in <laughs> gpt and just write like make this Mormon. And then it's like, okay, well now the handshake goes through a little curtain. And now that the past words and phrases can be spoken by like a man or a woman, but you have to be wearing special undergarments. Like, it's just like, yeah, someone just went and tweaked it a little bit. And then what you can do, which is exactly what the Bavarian Illuminati did is pretend that all of that stuff you plagiarized and tweaked. It's like, I made that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I've got this rich, deep occult history that dates back to the times of the tribes of Judah and Dan and, you know, back, back before Jesus even existed. And this is a very historical thing, but they're just like adapting it and just put their name on the bottom. And everyone's like, oh man, have you heard these Mormons? Like they're so mystical. They've got this deep backstory. And if you don't know anything about Freemasonry and that it was all lifted from there, it's like, oh wow, that this is way too elaborate to just be made up, you know? Right. So and i think that's like you can say that about almost every secret society they all follow that same kind of pattern of oh we've got this mystical knowledge and you you can't know what it is unless you join us and start paying us every month to get access to it which is just like a freaking paid a uh, patreon or a paid it, podcast or something Yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and and it it's it's crazy to to see the similarities like you said with patreon or, or secret societies it feeds right into the basic fundamental of any human that oh i want to be part of this secret you know society that only certain people can you know it's it's no different than starting a club with your friends in school you know what i mean it's like hey we're in this club you're not you know what i no mean no girls allowed yeah no girls allowed so i i don't know the secret societies always fascinated me and i kind of thought of doing joining the Masons years ago for that same reason but then I was like well what if they catch on and and you know I do disappear so <laughs> I n- I just never did
1: my biggest one was what if they find out I'm an atheist because that's the one rule that you have to believe in a higher power you have to believe it you can you can identify with that higher power just like Alcoholics Anonymous right like right. It doesn't have to be a baby Jesus, (laughs) but it's got to be someone that's outside of you and your brain. And it can't just be like a voice in your head. It has to be like an actual powerful entity that has absolute control over the cosmos. And I just couldn't get my head around that. So I felt like the ultimate fraud of like, well, I feel like I'm agnostic at best, but probably an atheist. So there's no way that any of these oaths and everything can even touch me, you know, because it's like swear on this Bible like okay yeah yeah swore you know and it didn't really m- mean anything to me but um, and that's not how it actually happens uh through the, the process but if anything it was like the exact opposite though because then you get in and you and you start paying more attention it's kind of like law of attraction where if you're a foo-foo hippie then you might believe that just by thinking about something it happens because of this mystical law but you also might have a rational version of it where it's like well if i'm putting my attention on this thing then i'm going to pay more attention to things that lead to that thing and therefore like i'm opening my own doors it's not like doors just magically open you're kind of paying attention it's like if you're broke and you start looking around on the ground for scraps and pennies like all of a sudden like oh i'm finding five six dollars a day you know depending on where you're at so just because you know where to look and you care about it um so i feel like there's a, a huge element of that too where once you actually care about that kind of information, now all of a sudden you're looking for it, you're reading books differently, um, and you're, you're, you're interested in different types of documentaries uh, and different just types of topics, and just being in that kind of a mindset, that's what opens you up to kind of believing the things that maybe like an atheist wouldn't believe, and I, I kind of find myself... Moving away from just being pure blind atheism to like, wow, there was a lot of really smart people that had a lot of smart friends that went back hundreds and hundreds of years. They were all building on this kind of like massive unified theory of reality. And there might be something to it. Like maybe it's not just all a bunch of.
2: <sighs> well, where do I start? <sighs> I'm bad shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government Fact check every head when it come to this Upside down system, had enough of it Another sapien that's on the globe Lost cold looking for the direction But don't nobody know The only bit of insight that they ever sold me I've been start to find out, doesn't really hold Every half and piece of shit Hidden in its high, high motives to align goals Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole Someone gotta die, they don't care They itemize souls Tit jobs from Botox to Lipo light bulbs in my head of where I might go I'm on a tightrope, walking this edge And I've been wondering if anyone loves me Shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me Yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if Look, I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They know I'm a A real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thoughts sick I take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I wanna soul search find a place to bring in light But I can't cause Fuck I'm bad shit What you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government